Welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide as we build an entire campaign for your group. From creating a starting city, to character creation, to building the scenarios that comprise a campaign. Now, as you know, we've been building our campaign using the Deadlands Classic system, and we'll start today's show by continuing to build our campaign. However, as we do every week, let's recap what we designed last week. As we began, we were in the aftermath of a 20-bad-guy attack on Triumph. Once that was dealt with, the players decided that they'd had enough, and it was time to take the fight to the Colson Corporation. After riding for 12 hours, they came upon the compound, and there wasn't anybody there. The barns and house were still standing, and all of the furnishings were still in the house, but all signs were that the folks that were there got out and got out in a hurry. The group put their heads together and realized the best place for Colson to go would be Dodge City, since he could catch a train there and head off pretty much anywhere in either the U.S. or the C.S. Heading to Dodge City, it took the group about five and a half days to get there, and approaching from the south, they wound up pulling up to the train depot almost immediately. They were able to speak with or bribe a ticket seller and found out that Colson had purchased tickets for four to Denver, and he was already gone. However, that individual also noted that Colson and his party had left their horses at the depot, and Deputy Sheriff Bat Masterson and Deputy Town Marshal Wyatt Earp had collected them. The group was also made aware that the next train to Denver was leaving in about three hours. So the group decided to meet up with the lawmen to figure out what they found on the horses, if anything. Admittedly, at first, Masterson and Earp didn't want to tell them anything, and they were actually asking a lot of questions. However, once the group made it clear they were from Triumph, the two changed their tune and admitted they'd sold the horses and donated the proceeds to the school. Also, they'd found some papers in the saddlebags of one of the horses, and they indicated that Colson was going to meet in Denver with someone called the Banker. After the conversation and doing whatever else they decided to do at the time they had, they boarded the train for the trip west to Denver. The trip went well until the last hour, where there was an attempted train robbery. The players got involved, and they were able to thwart the robbery. The rest of the trip was uneventful, and the group found themselves in Denver. Now, while this is the primary story wrap-up, we did create an alternate scenario, just in case your group didn't follow the script, but I'll refer you back to last week's episode if you used that. Regardless of which way the group chose to go, we pick up in the same place. So, let's get to creating. The first thing that needs to be expressed as we create the Denver portion of this scenario is that the players are going to need to not go wandering the streets obviously armed. As I mentioned last week, they technically shouldn't have had their guns when they were in Dodge. In Denver, being caught with guns openly in the streets will definitely lead to jail time. So let's work up a list of police officers since the group will probably run into one or two. Hopefully it isn't because they're being stubborn and openly carrying, but if a player or two decides to be that bold, they're going to run into one or two of the cops without question. The officers I've created a list of are Officer David Banks, Officer Montgomery Adams, Officer William Smith, and Officer Sean David. And if anyone is caught openly carrying, it comes with a $10 fine and a night in jail. For subsequent arrests, double the fine and the time in jail. Eventually, they'll either get the point or they'll be locked in jail for the majority of this part of the game. To be honest, that's on them. With a city this large, the group is going to need to first find lodgings, then start figuring out where to start in their search for both Colson and the banker. Needless to say, this is going to be a very role-play intensive session, so if you've got players who aren't into role-play, you're going to have to figure out how to get them engaged. We'll work on that while we try to work our way through the scenario. 
So let's get started with the first thing on our to-do list and get the group some lodgings. The group should have a decent amount of money on hand at this point, so they might be tempted to get rooms in a high-class type of hotel. Here's the thing with that decision. The group has no idea how long they're going to be in the city, and for 10 bucks a day, which by the way does not include meals or baths or whatever, they'll have to figure at least $100 or so just for rooms. That's per person. But if they want to part with that kind of money, the Grand Hotel, the Denver Inn, and the Western Manor will fit the bill. And if you have a name you'd like to throw into the mix, by all means do so. I just provide names so that you don't have to if you don't want to. However, from a logical standpoint, either a lower class hotel or a boarding house are better choices. A lower class hotel runs two bucks a day, but that doesn't include any of the extras, just like a high class hotel. A boarding house runs three bucks a day, but that includes meals. Some lower class hotel names would be the Rocky Mountain Inn, the Mountain Estate, and the Dew Drop Inn. All right, I couldn't help myself. Some boarding house names would be Queen Anne's Abode, the Parker Place, and Hostiera de Reyes, for those who'd like a little bit of Spanish flair. I leave it to you to figure out which way you want to steer your group, and I'm also going to leave filling out the locations to you as well. Again, at this point, you know what your group is expecting, and we're getting to the point where you're probably already adding your own flavor to what we're building here. So let's just leave some blanks in the creation for you to fill in. With lodgings out of the way, the group's going to need to brainstorm to figure out how and where they want to start gathering their information about either Francis Colson or the banker. First things first, while the first thought in the group's mind might be to head to the jail and speak with an officer or the chief of police, we need to make it very clear that that isn't a very good idea. For background, let's tie together some of the information we already know. When the Colson Corporation was first discussed by Deputy Clint back in Triumph, it was noted that it's rumored that they're backed by business interests in Kansas, Colorado, and Oklahoma. Also, the house they checked out on the homestead had a ton of expensive stuff in it. The fact that it was just left behind doesn't just say somebody was in a hurry. It also says somebody really didn't sweat throwing away 10 grand. So we're obviously looking at big money backing Francis Colson. And as in reality, big money tends to buy themselves levels of protection, like police officers. So heading to the jail and straight up questioning the chief would probably at best lead to them spending some time in a jail cell on trumped up charges. At worst, one or more of the group could find themselves on the business end of a sniper rifle. And yes, there's a version of those in this game. Now, your group might have the stones to try this, and if they want to, by all means, let them try. Pull the sheriff template from the player's handbook and run it against whatever roles they want to make to try to pull some information out of the chief. And for the record, the chief's name is Brendan Campbell. Use the cowpoke template for any officers they tried to get to. And don't be afraid to use any of your fate chips to try to swing the rolls your way. Don't make it easy on them. Even if they succeed, by the way, the folks that they talk to are going to feed them bogus information. Now, what would some bogus information be? They'll name some random businessman as a source of information. When the group gets to him, he'll claim correctly that he has no idea what they're talking about. And if things escalate, they'll wind up getting arrested for disturbing the peace. Or they'll give some dive saloon as a meeting place for the banker. I think you know how this is going to go. When the group shows up, a bunch of gunslingers are there to start pot-shotting the group. And regardless of what kind of information they get, they're going to find themselves being tailed for the rest of their time in Denver. The tale won't just be cops, by the way. The folks involved will cover pretty much the whole range of character and personality traits, and most of them will just say they were paid five bucks by a guy in a black suit to follow the group. 
By the way, guy in a black suit is the only information they would get out of anybody they'd question. So if the jail's a no-go, where should the group go and what should they do? Look, you know the backgrounds of your players' characters at this point. This is a really good time to start utilizing them in a positive way for the group. And obviously, there's no hard and fast order that you got to do these things in. So whatever order they do do them in, if they do them, they'll eventually get all of the information we discuss in this build. One place they're going to want to start looking in are the bars and the taverns. Much like a D&D game or many other games of the style, bars and taverns are frequently where people meet to discuss business. Also, the idea would be that while they might not find Francis Coulson, he did have three other people with him since he bought four tickets to Denver. So the chances are better that they'll find one of those three people in a bar somewhere. I mean, they're going to want a drink or a poker game at some point, right? Now, the group could just start heading from tavern to tavern and see what they can come up with. And if they choose that option, it's going to take them days before they start seeing any kind of results. I don't know about your group, but my group doesn't have the patience for that. So you can have any character with skills or background in tracking and locating things make a knowledge check with a target number of seven. By the way, I'm thinking bounty hunters primarily, but you can also apply it to anybody that you'll think it works for. The success means they note that while adults tend to get selective memory when it comes to situations, like remembering people who seem out of place, kids, on the other hand, tend to see and remember a lot more than they get credit for, and for a couple of bucks, most will share what they know. The best kids to work with on this are those who seem to come from a poor background since they tend to need the money more and tend to be ignored the most, unfortunately. The interactions for this should be fun to play out. You can take your cues from any movie that has poor kids running errands for adults who pay them. You'll also want to have at least one of them be streetwise, which means they'll try to play the group for as much money as they can. That being said, the information they give is going to be the truth, at least the truth as they see it. Now, I'll leave the meat and potatoes of the interactions to you. You decide what parts of town the group will find the kids that they're looking for in. And when it comes time to have the conversations, you decide how the kids are going to respond. I'll also leave it to you to decide how much money it's going to take to get a particular kid to talk. Most of them probably do it for a buck or two, but don't make them all like that. Some of them are going to want more, five or ten, maybe twenty, but you can decide that on your own. Also, when you do names, it's first names only, and you'll want to avoid some of the more popular names of the 21st century. John, James, Rick, Lucy, Gretchen, Sally. Those are the kinds of names you're going to want to go with. Okay, so what kind of information will the kids be able to give them? They'll report about several people they've been seeing in taverns that don't seem to belong there. Most of them are just rich folk looking to have a good time without being seen doing it in the rich part of town. However, one of them will turn out to be Philip Conway, who has the dress and look of the men Colson sent after the group in Triumph. At least when the kid describes him, that's what they're going to describe, the clothing. They'll also get, if they're asked about it, a whole lot of red herrings about the banker. One kid will have misunderstood them and have sent them to a bakery because he thought the group said the baker. That's going to be an interesting conversation. They'll also be sent to a cobbler, a gunsmith, and an apothecary. Needless to say, none of these are anywhere close to being who they're looking for. Now, I'd have the group be working for several days before they get the juicy piece of information they want, but again, I leave it up to you. They can be doing some of the other things we're going to build momentarily while they're waiting and checking with other kids, but I say make it a bare minimum of three days before they get the Conway tip. 
The man, who they'll only know by description until they actually meet him, has been seen by this particular kid each of the past three nights going into the Spotted Dog Tavern. Needless to say, the Spotted Dog is not what you'd call a high-class joint. It's located right on the edge of what would be called today the middle-class district and the poorer district, and it has patrons from both sides of the line. So we all know how this is going to go. The group will head to the Spotted Dog to see if they can find the man their contact told them about. The first night they head in, they can stay all night and the guy's not coming. Won't come in the second night or the third night either. Night four, on the other hand, their patience will be rewarded. The gentleman, who has a wild shock of red hair and is definitely dressed like all of the other Colson Corporation members they've seen in the past, comes in around 11 p.m., takes a spot at a poker table, and begins to drink and spend his money. In my opinion, this would be a good spot for the gamblers in your group to get to the table and see what they can do. For Conway, use the gambler template. It's going to be opposed gambling roles, so there is no target number. Highest roll wins. And really, it's not so much about your players winning the hands. It's more about the conversation they're trying to have while they're at the table. If any of them want to try to pry information out of Conway during the game, it'll be a persuasion role versus Conway's survival. And the reason for choosing survival in this case is Conway is very aware of what could happen to him if he spills the beans. All Conway will say at the table is that he did work for the Colson Corporation, but he doesn't anymore. He'll spin a tale of being tired of being ordered to go out and murder what he believed were innocent people, so he left the company about a month ago. The players can try smart checks against a target of 13 to see if they can see through Conway's story. If they want more information, they're going to have to get Conway away from the table and away from prying eyes. However, he's not going to make that easy for them. When he leaves the tavern after he's done having fun, he spends nearly an hour doing what appears to be aimless wandering through the city. This will be the time for opposed checks again, Conway's survival versus the group's tracking checks. You can make as many of these as you want, but if it was me, I'd keep making them until the following happens. If any player beats Conway's role by five or more, they finally manage to catch him in an alleyway. Now they have the opportunity to squeeze more information out of him. The group should be using all of their abilities to try to get the information out of Conway without using weapons, since that would just bring the law down on them real quick. Overall, persuasion, tale-telling, those are aptitudes they can use, and if they have an edge like the voice, this would be a good time to use it. However, if they've got to beat it out of him, they can fairly easily do that, since Conway's pretty drunk by this point. He'll admit to being a current member of the Colson Corporation and will admit that he fled the compound with Mr. Colson at Colson's request. He admits he was aware of the various attacks on Triumph, as he is the quartermaster for the group. In that role, he was responsible for supplying the various attacking groups with the weaponry they needed and used in the various attacks. Which means, by the way, if the group's story includes Triumph having been burned to the ground, Conway's the guy who supplied the gear that was used. That little nugget of information might push a group member over the edge. They're going to have to make a guts check with a target of 12 to avoid killing the little twerp. He doesn't know for sure where Mr. Colson is staying, as he stated he wouldn't be sleeping in the same hotel two nights in a row. However, he does point out that Mr. Colson won't stay in anything other than a fine hotel. For the group, that narrows the possibilities down to six, and we'll get to that in a minute. He's been staying in a dive on the outskirts of town, and he was ordered to stay there until he gets further instructions. Needless to say, he's been bored, since he hasn't gotten a single message from Mr. Colson or the other two men they came to the city with. He will give their names, Roger Grant and Tobias Allen, 
but he doesn't know what their orders were, as Coulson made it a point to meet with each of them privately and ordered them not to discuss what they were doing with each other. According to Coulson, that would make it harder for anyone to grab one of them and get to the other three. That's it. That's what he knows. At this point, the group can do with Conway what they please. However, it would behoove the group to not kill him. After all, they've been paying kids to give them information that led to them finding him, and those same kids would sell them out in a heartbeat if the cops or Coulson gave them enough money. So how they want to handle it is up to them and to you, so use whatever creative method you see fit. The next thing on the list of ideas would be to check out the banks. After all, the person you're looking for is called the banker. Fortunately for the group, there are only six banks in Denver. So how would one handle this? First off, we need to name the banks. I gotta be honest here, I'd go with the simple names. First National Bank of Denver, Second National Bank of Denver, you get the idea. Hey, it's cheesy, but it's easy, and we're doing a lot of names in this show, so I think we've earned the right to keep it simple on this one. Next up, the group has to decide how they want to stake out the banks. Now, first things first, it doesn't take much of a genius to figure out that four of the banks are in the rich section, with one each in the middle class and lower class areas. Now, for the middle and lower class banks, the group is probably dressed appropriately. For those rich banks, yeah, no, probably not. So whoever is going to check out those banks is going to need some snazzy clothes, so it's off to the tailor with them. Check out the gear list on page 77 of the Player's Guide for clothes pricing, and don't be afraid to up those prices by 10% if you want to, just to ensure that their stuff is up to snuff. After that's done, they need a plan. If you've got a group of six, the plan's simple. Stake out each bank and rotate the players every day. That way you've got eyes on the bank every single day and you don't risk one person getting caught eyeballing a bank for multiple days in a row. Now, if you have less than six, you're going to have to prioritize. Let's be honest. The chances of finding someone called the banker in the poor district of town is probably pretty slim. So if the group decides not to prioritize that one, it shouldn't be an issue. Though I wouldn't tell them that. Same for the middle class one, though one could argue if you wanted to throw pursuers off your trail, that would be a good choice. Again, this is going to take some description on your part and role playing on the parts of your players. And there are two ways they can eyeball the banks. One would be to set up across the street or on either side of it and casually read a paper and smoke a cigar or two. In fact, it would probably be wise if they choose that approach to change their positioning from time to time so they hopefully don't draw attention to themselves. Another thing they could do, which is the other way to do this, by the way, would be to at some point actually go into the bank. If they're dressed appropriately and they have a newspaper to read, they can take a seat and suggest they're waiting for someone to bring a large sum of money to them or whatever line they feel is appropriate. Now, if they do that, they're not going to want to stay in there longer than an hour or so because it's, it's going to draw attention. And it would probably be wise for the group to decide what the cover will be for each member each day because using the same excuse each time will also draw attention to themselves. And that would be unwanted attention, because that'll draw the U.S. Marshals down on them, since they're the ones protecting the banks in Denver. I can assure you, that won't end well. Once the group has their plan in place, it's going to take about five days of scouting out the banks before one of them finally hits. It'll be the 5th National Bank of Denver, located in the middle-class section of town. Whoever is checking that out will see a gentleman dressed as one of the members of the Colson Corporation. He's going to head into the bank around 11 a.m. and stay for about 15 minutes. Once he exits, they can tail him. This is a posed role. Tracking versus sneaking. 
If at any point the NPC outrolls the player by five or more, the player loses him, and the chance of getting information from this source is gone. However, if the player at any point outrolls the NPC by five or more, they manage to get him to wander into a dead-end alley where they can confront him. Again, this needs to be a non-violent discussion, since they're in an area that will have more police presence than in the poorer section of town. All of the same aptitudes and edges from the previous section can be used, and this is what the player can find out. First off, they found Roger Grant. He admits fully that he's a member of the Colson Corporation, and he states that his job was logistics. He was in charge of organizing the men into groups for various jobs throughout the area that the corporation was working in. He has no idea where Colson is, but notes that Colson wouldn't be caught dead in anything less than a top-notch hotel. He also has no idea where his other two compatriots are, as Colson gave each of them their instructions in private. However, he does know that the banker isn't really a banker. What he does, he doesn't know, but he overheard Colson say to someone when they got to town that the name is an alias used to throw law enforcement off his trail. That's what he knows. Much like last time, how the group wants to handle this is up to them. Now, if it's just one group member, it might be harder for them to not do something silly. But if it happens to be a more even keel member of the party, things should go more smoothly. Once they've spoken to at least one of the two men, the group has another plan they can use. And by the way, if they start this before they've spoken with both men, they can still do the other plan while they start this one. They know Colson's staying at a high-class, top-of-the-line hotel. This helps narrow down choices. Now, if they only spoke with Conway or Grant, their choices have been narrowed from about a dozen to six. If they've spoken with both Conway and Grant, narrow the choices down to two. Here are the six hotels in question. The Diamond Exchange, Hotel Damon, the Gramercy Inn, Chateau Rocky, the Plaza, and the Regal Colorado. If it's narrowed down to two, use the Regal Colorado and the Plaza. Those are the creme de la creme of hotels in Denver. So it's stakeout time again. Now how the group divides depends on how many hotels they need to cover. If it's six, it's probably the same thought as with banks. If they're only covering two, it should be suggested, if they don't think of it, to pair up and divide and conquer. By the way, if you've got five or more group members and they've already completed the other two tasks, you can either do groups of three or keep a group in reserve for circulation since it greatly decreases the chances somebody gets made. It's your call as well as the call of your group. So they'll be staking out the hotels for a full week before they get results. And unfortunately, it's not the result they're going to be hoping for. Instead of Francis Colson, they instead get Tobias Allen. He's dressed much like the other two men they've already spoken with, and he's observed walking out of the hotel one afternoon and heading across the street to the restaurant. Use the same procedures as you did with Grant, and they'll eventually be able to pull him into an alley to have a conversation. Allen was Colson's right-hand man. He handled making sure all of Colson's plans were executed and they were coordinated between Conway and Grant to ensure that things got done. He also handled all of Colson's banking, so he knows where Colson keeps his money. Now, he's going to hold back that little nugget to beg for either his freedom or his life if he needs to. He can also tell the group Colson never actually checked into the hotel, nor was the room registered in his name. Colson instructed him to stay in the hotel and to only leave for meals, which is what he's been doing. He's not 100% sure where Colson is staying, but he does know that Colson has a safety deposit box at the bank in the city, so his guess is he's also probably got a place to stay that isn't a hotel or a boarding house. 
Once he's certain he won't be killed or jailed, he gives up the bank. It's the First National Bank of Denver. He also has a safe deposit key for the box, and he'll give it up to the group because he'll say, I don't want to be involved in what happens next. So the group has a bank name and a safe deposit key. What's next? Well, we're going to get to that next week because we're going to bring this week's build to a close. Now, normally, this is where we'd get into the campaign recap, but as I said last week, my group only plays every other week, and so we were off last week, so there's no game to recap. We're back on for tomorrow night, though, so next week's show will definitely have a recap. I'd like to encourage you to check out our other podcast, Role Playing History. This week, we've got part two of our deep dive into the world of darkness, and we're covering more titles in that line. Role Playing History is available wherever you get your podcasts. The music we use for this show comes from Pixabay.com. Check them out for all your royalty-free, license-free music needs. Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash badgmproductions, Twitter at badgmp, YouTube, badgmproductions, Twitch, badgm, and you can email us at badgmproductions at gmail.com. Next week, we continue our adventure through Denver, and we'll see if our group gets any closer to getting their hands on one Francis Colson. Until then, I'm the bad GM, Wayne Davis. Adios, amigos. Thank you.